Welcome back to Haunted 518, episode 16. This week, I am drinking a beverage that was gifted to me. And it is called Secco Grapefruit Pampolini. It's a wine specialty, and it is absolutely freaking delicious. This deliciously sweet and refreshingly tart blend of carbonated white grape wine and grapefruit juice makes a perfect companion to brunches, cocktail parties, or any joyous occasion you can think of. Um, It is from Trader Joe's, but apparently not all Trader Joe's have um, like a wine section. So I know the one, the one by me down in Colony does not. But um, the person who got me this got it in New York City. It even looks, <laughs> it even looks delicious. Um, it is so good. It's one of my favorite drinks I've had in a while. So thank you to my friend. <laughs> um, so today I thought we would talk about, I came across the legend of Abigail West um, after looking into like the Queensbury Glens Falls area and I thought we would start there and talk about her and then pretty much stay in that area um since I know I've talked about Glens Falls and Queensbury prior but um there's a bunch I think that still would be fun to talk about so um I know I haven't heard of had had not heard of Abigail West and um I know that when I was looking up this information, pretty much everybody from the Glens Falls area that had provided their own personal stories of the legend they've heard or just trying to uh, speak about the legend had said, if you're from the area, you pretty much know it. So I was really actually surprised that I had never heard of it. So let's start there. We'll start with Abigail West is Queensberry's Blair Witch. <laughs> Anyone who has trekked on West Mountain, which is um, a lo- which is a ski mountain, I was going to say a local attraction, um, local ski mountain. Anyone who has trekked on West Mountain after dark has a story to tell about encounters, first person or otherwise, with Warren County's most famous haunt. The folklore draws on an easy parallel the folklore draws an easy parallel to 1999's fake documentary the blair witch project about three student filmmakers held captive in the woods by a witch abigail west was a real person although local people have been spinning yarns about her for almost two centuries some versions star an 18 year old abigail who perished in a fire on prom night while waiting for a lover who never arrived when Lake Luzerne native Stephanie O'Brien tells the stories, the circumstances surrounding West's demise are more sinister. The legend of Abigail West, as I remember it, was that Abigail lived atop West Mountain and she was a witch, O'Brien said. Condemned for practicing witchcraft in this version, West was scheduled to be burned by a vigilante townspeople. <laughs> scheduled to be burned. She disappeared while they were burning her, O'Brien said. Her gravesite is supposed to be at the base of West Mountain off Luzerne Road, but she's not actually buried there. No one knows where she's actually buried. O'Brien is hazy on the story's details. I heard the story from my older brother who went to school in Luzerne. 
the prom story isn't true, nor is the witch story, although it does come closer to that. According to an early oral history and genealogical tree collected in the early 1900s by a West family descendant, Howard Miller West, Abigail West was born Abigail Plate, P-L-A-T-T-E, Plot or Plate, in 1763 in New Milford, Connecticut. She married a Rhode Island man, William Barber West, and the two moved to Queensbury in 1790. Abigail and William lived a modest life for the era, raising their six children on a farm near Butler Pond on the mountain that is now named after them. On August 11, 1811, Abigail was struck by lightning and killed. She was buried in the family plot, a small slate cemetery at the base of the mountain. Her marble headstone reads, In memory of Abigail West, wife of William B. West, who died August 11, 1811, in the 48th year of her age. Etched into the stone above her epitaph is a weeping willow. Abigail was too old to go to the prom if there had been a prom in the early 1800s, and the American witch hunting craze died down in 1750. According to records collected by the Queensbury Town Historian, in Abigail's time, no one issued death certificates. The particulars of a person's life and death might be logged into the family Bible, but weren't a matter of public record. That's, that's crazy. West's dramatic death by lightning could have inspired stories that grew into a legend, and her body is missing. When Glens Falls Cemetery was established on Bay Street in 1853, graves were moved into it from Old West Street Cemetery from family plots. That way, land at the old graveyards could be developed for housing and in areas like West Mountain for logging. For reasons unexplained, the West family was able to move Abigail's headstone to the family plot in Glens Falls Cemetery, but not her body. The white stone sits atop the grave of her grandson, William Henry West, who died in 1888. Her stone is in good shape, but age has weathered some of the text, making the four in her age look like a one, which could be one source of the teenage death tale. Speculation surrounds the lacks of a corpse. The ground could have shifted during logging on the mountain, the family could have mismarked the grave, or perhaps the family couldn't afford to move her body. Her grave could have been vandalized. Or she was a witch. <laughs> Queensbury resident Judy Melconian, Van Dyke's assistant, isn't certain West's Mountain isn't haunted, is haunted, but she can understand the inclination to believe it is. Maybe she can't rest because her stone is in one place and her body is in another. Today, the area believed to be the site of her old grave is strewn with empty beer bottles and makeshift fire pits. That's insane. It sits at the bottom of West Mountain off Traver Road, a logging trail in a posted area of the Glens Falls watershed. A footbridge with beams as old as Queensbury itself crosses a small brook. Just after the bridge lies a pile of splintered slate. Large rocks leading from the woods from a form a footpath to the crumbled slate pile. The testimony of Howard Miller West suggests this could be the formal, former West family plot. In the 1930s, he wrote, I have not been there for many years, but there used to be broken stubs of many slate headstones and one white marble stone marking William Barber West's wife. The area is now a party spot where young people get together and try to scare one another. Van Dyke said the living descendants of the West family do not believe in Abigail's ghosts. Ghost. 
Once a year around Halloween, somebody tries to investigate for themselves, and I guess the West family is pretty tired of it. But for those who grew up with the legend of West Mountain's most infamous specter, like O'Brien, it's a matter of choosing what you want to believe. What do I believe, O'Brien asked, after hiking to the old gravesite? Well, I know I felt weird there. <laughs> um, that's fascinating. The uh, editor has a note saying the historical and genealogical information was acquired for this article, courtesy of the town of Queensbury historian Dr. Marilyn Van Dyke and the Glens Falls Cemetery. So that's interesting if you want to dig into it a little more or see exactly what they have. Um, you can check out the, uh, you can reach out to Marilyn, um, if she is still the, I'm sure she is the town historian, and, um, see what documents and everything that's there. That's interesting. Um, I had never heard of Abigail. I'm really surprised. I ski at West all the time, and, um, and feel like I've been to Glens Falls mo enough that I would have at least heard about her. Interesting. And next thing in Queensbury, I just wanted to just really quickly talk about, um, like super quick, just mention the Queensbury Hotel. I've stayed there. I stayed there annually for three or four years because uh, of company company party and um it's it's so old and historic and um the lobby and like downstairs areas the bar and everything it's it's such a good place to hang out and then the hotel itself is like a step back in time um and the um hallways and everything definitely always gave me a little bit of a weird I always felt like I was being watched <laughs> in that hotel I remember looking over my shoulder a lot when I would stay there <laughs> um the Queensbury Hotel may be one of the best kept secrets in terms of haunted hotels in the Adirondacks the historic hotel is open for business and many guests have reported apparitions and strange sounds in empty rooms in their own guest rooms and in the lobby and in the hallways and even in the pool area. Um, so I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Um, I have stayed there and half of the times I stayed there I drank a lot so I can't even imagine if I had seen if I had woken up and seen something in my room I would have freaked out. <laughs> And next I wanted to um, tell another story staying in the Queensbury area about the Indian princess. Kim worked hard for years to earn the money to build a home in the town of Queensbury, New York, about three miles from the Old West Cemetery. She cleared the land, built the house, and began landscaping. A beautiful walkway was essential, she thought. She worked long hours to set each of the patio stones level difficulty with the early summer mud. One morning, using pebbles to level one block, she noticed an Indian arrowhead. It was the first artifact she had ever found, and it was on her land. Though the land had been in her family for 140 years, she knew nothing about the property's history. She did not know that around Clendon Brook, just to the north, pottery, beads, and arrowheads had been found. Kim, Kim eventually... It, it, Kim eventually intuited that at least one Indian had been buried on her land. She is sure it is an Indian woman and dubbed her ghost the Indian Princess. As soon as her house was ready, she moved in. So apparently did the princess. <laughs> I sat one night on my back deck and was disturbed by what sounded like kitchen pots and pans hitting together, she wrote. Following the sound, she found it came not... She 
she found it came not from the kitchen, but from her bedroom. There beheld the brass handles on her dresser rising and falling loudly, but not hard enough to make such a racket. It stopped as she watched it. In retrospect, she believed the tapping sound like someone urgently sounded like someone urgently rapping on her front door. Next, her living room light began to flicker. She checked the bulb and it was tight. She plugged the lamp into another outlet, but it flickered there too, as it did in every outlet in that room. She tried a new lamp in the sockets and it flickered also. When she took the lamps to an adjoining room, the flickering stopped. This time, upon bringing them back into the living room, the flickering ended. She suspected that someone or something was trying to get her attention. I heated the house with a basement wood stove at the time and used to throw the wood in the cellar window, then stack it against the north wall. One evening before I went to bed, I went downstairs to fill the stove for the night. The wood that I'd previously stacked into a pile had now moved. Part of it was laid end-to-end from the north to the south walls. I immediately called my dad and asked his opinion about what the heck was going on. Until he came over and saw for himself, he had started to think I was crazy. Kim's son was only two and, a, two and one half years old at the time, and he could never have managed the steep stellar, cellar stairs on his own. Even in the best of times, he had difficulty with them, and he certainly wasn't strong enough to move heavy chunks of wood across the cellar, she recalled. She believes her unseen visitor eventually took note of her newly planted trees, shrubs, and flowers. She must have recognized that I wasn't there to destroy the land, and so she wanted to play. But then Kim fell in love, and Steve came to live with her. From that point on... Oh my god. From that point on, the princess was in their bedroom. Ugh. From time to time, I'd wake up in the night gasping like I was being smothered. One night, I felt her at the foot of my bed. I knew if I looked down, I'd see her, but didn't do so. I lay there wondering what to do and when this was going to stop. I thought Steve was asleep, but he spoke quietly. Are you still awake? Then after a minute, he declared, she's here, isn't she? I answered, yeah, she sure is. Oh my God, I have chills right now. Steve sat bolt upright and said, leave us alone. We are your friends and we are not going to hurt you. Please leave us alone. He reminded her that they were beautifying what had once been her sacred forest. That did it. We never heard from her again, Kim said. The neighborhood along Lilac Lane is quiet today. Kim and Steve married and moved to London, England, and the house's new residents live in peace. If indeed the presence that made their lives so exciting was an Indian princess, and if she had been jealous that Kim had found a love that she couldn't share, all seems forgiven today. Oh my god, that is bone-chilling because just the idea of knowing someone's there and then someone else (laughs) actually... um, also saying the same thing it's my biggest fear is waking up or turning around and there's an apparition there (laughs) so that gave me chills for sure next i wanted to move over or no i'm sorry i wanted to stay in queensbury and just talk about um a company that opened up i believe about 10 years ago and um they tell some of their their experiences that led them into the field. So it is the Queensbury Paranormal Investigation Team, and it is owned by Jim Berkowitz and Eileen Higgins, and they'll investigate any potential paranormal activity free of charge. And um, I'm not sure if, uh, excuse me, if if um, 
Ber- Jim Berkowitz still works for the post office and Eileen Higgins, excuse me, is still a nurse, but she was at the time this was written. Um, and the business and the business is the pursuit of a hobby. The paranormal business is the pursuit of a hobby. Both have had personal experiences with the paranormal and now have the equipment to discover and record this activity. Like most people, my interest in the paranormal began with the personal experience and it got me curious, Berkowitz said. We can help someone validate what they've seen or heard or discover a natural event that's causing it. Berkowitz said his first experience with the spirit world was when he was 10. My dad had a friend with a huge house on Lake George, and whenever we'd go there, I'd always saw a woman staring at me from a window across the courtyard, Berkowitz said. My mom was very sensitive and somewhat psychic, but my dad didn't believe in this stuff. One day, the woman, in a Victorian-style dress, appeared and chased my father and brother out of the house, shaking her fist. When he got home, he was white as a sheet, and my mom said, You saw her, didn't you? (laughs) Higgins said her first experience was a little less dramatic, but frightening nonetheless. As a teen, my mom bought an old house in Glens Falls, and I had just gone to bed one night when I heard footsteps on the stairs. I thought it was my brother, but he wasn't there. The footsteps got closer and closer to my bed, and I ran out the door, and I didn't sleep well for a while. (laughs) A couple of years ago, the pair ran a janitorial company and were cleaning an old building on Warren Street at night. I always felt we weren't alone in that building, Berkowitz said. On our third night there, a woman in a black dress walked by the bathroom. He asked the staff who worked in the building the next day about the woman, and some of them confirmed they had also seen a woman in a black dress. One employee quit her job after she saw the woman float through a wall, Berkowitz said. (laughs) Oh my god. Queensbury Paranormal Investigation Team has four investigators along with Berkowitz and Higgins. Two of them recently spent time with a crew from the Sci-Fi Network's Ghost Hunters TV show at the Mount Washington Hotel in New Hampshire. Since shows like Ghost Hunters have been around, there have been a lot of paranormal groups popping up, Berkowitz said. We started ours to do things the way we want to when we want to. The group has equipment that includes digital cameras and voice recorders, electromagnetic field detectors, and other meters used to detect and record any paranormal activity. A lot of what we do is ruling out more conventional causes, Higgins said. Very often what people are hearing can be banging pipes or other natural things. Having a ghost in your home is not necessarily a bad thing either, said Berkowitz. A lot of people are afraid of what's going on, but a spirit is not necessarily something to be afraid of. The ghost on Warren Street is benevolent, he said. Sometimes the spirit does not want you there, or they are trying to send a message to someone. It's easy to misinterpret, since they can't speak directly to us. Higgins said there's a lot of theories as why a deceased person's spirit remains behind. It could be they really liked a place when they were alive, or maybe they misbehaved and are afraid to move on. My sister died very suddenly, Higgins said, while she was doing laundry for a while. And for a while, the cellar light near the washer kept coming on. I think she didn't know yet that she was dead and kept on doing her work. Berkowitz said there was another old house on Warren Street that had burned in a fire and was boarded up when he was a teenager. We snuck into that house in August. It was sweltering inside, but f- but it was f- it was sweltering outside, but it was absolutely freezing in that house. He said they saw a woman and her baby that died in a fire. 
After the house was demolished, a nursing home was built on the spot and residents often hear a crying baby. They called the police once because they couldn't find the baby, Berkowitz said. That is so crazy. Um, so the the Queensbury um, Paranormal Investigation Team, I definitely, if you're into local stuff, um, paranormal investigative stuff, I definitely recommend looking them up. And I'm sure um, they would be happy to share some of their experiences or um, direct you to where they have that that stuff published for you to find out a little more about um those are the kinds of things that I don't know if I could necessarily um live with like footsteps really scare me (laughs) so next moving on to Glens Falls I wanted to um just tell a few like firsthand um stories from um people in the area so they're they're more like personal experiences The first one is submitted by Dave. I live on Morgan Avenue in Queensbury in a very old apartment. Three nights after I moved in, I woke up to a woman saying, what are you doing in my house? I looked around and no one was there. So I went back to sleep. The next day I was showering before going to work and and I heard a woman say, you should get out now. It sounded like she was right behind the shower curtain. I have such a fear I'm just gonna pause for a second while I'm in the shower I really can't relax when I'm in the shower because I feel very vulnerable there and I feel like my um like my empathic abilities are heightened and I freaking the thought of someone right there scares me so much it sounded like she was right behind the shower curtain I almost fell in the shower I got out and didn't even dry off and left oh my god When I came home that night, I decided to sleep on my couch. I slept for about an hour when I was woken up by the kitchen sink turning on. I looked and a young woman, probably 20 to 25, wearing a red t-shirt and faded jeans, was at the sink with with her back turned to me. I said, get out of my house. She turned around and smiled and said, oh honey, I wouldn't leave you, and disappeared from the feet up. I almost fainted. This place is strange, but I think she's taken a liking to me, so I hope I'm safe. That is so crazy. I could not handle that. (laughs) The next one is... I don't believe there's a name. Oh, Connie. Submitted by Connie. I moved to a house in Glens Falls about four years ago. The house is obviously built back in the late 1800s or early 1900s. Anyway, never in my life have I been afraid of anything, nor have I ever felt any paranormal experiences happening until I lived there, until living here. It started with my first, it started first with my closet a very negative energy that caused me to sleep with the light on for the first time in my life. A feeling of constantly being watched where I where I even confronted whatever it may have been eventually having my priest bless the place. One night while I was in a deep sleep, I was woken by a wind brushing through my hair or maybe even someone touched me. I woke up with a gasp of complete fear and am confident that what had happened was real, not in my head and unexplainable. Um, that is, uh, that's, that's awful. (laughs) Um, the next one is just short. There was weird stuff submitted by, let's see, I don't see a name. It just says, nope, by J. 
um, the letter J, <laughs> not the name J. There was weird stuff happening in the elevator at Crandall Public Library in Glens Falls. It would stop and take us to a different floor. Then when my friends were sitting down studying books, studying books flew out and there was a guy being weird. <laughs> at the last sighting, we saw a girl run past and then she stared and started chasing us. That is it. Oh, that's submitted by Natalia. <laughs> that is it. Um, uh, and then these, and then from, let's see if I can see the same, the name. Um, it says, these are some of the spooky things that have happened in nearby cities and towns. The first one, South Glens Falls. In 1986, my wife moved into apartment number seven at N North Apartments. Many things happened in that apartment and still do. There is a young girl ghost in that place. I moved in with my wife in 1992. That is when things started to escalate. There is an old cemetery road that leads across to this, across the street to Griswold Cemetery with our driveway as part of the old road. There is much to see and hear in that driveway late on a summer night. <laughs> like what? Apartment number nine of that same complex is also haunted. I think the ghost of the girl in number seven may, ha may have followed us to apartment number nine. She's not mean, but rather very protective. Some of my friends have told me that sometimes they feel felt as if they had walked in on a girl dressing. I just smiled because I knew of the ghost. Oh, that's so particular. Uh, I feel like I just... Uh, walked in on a girl getting dressed. <laughs> That's so eerie and creepy. We don't live far from there now, and there's still higher energy in that area. Submitted by Tomahawk. <laughs> and then it says, About 13 years ago, I lived in a red house on Cheryl Drive with my dad and his wife. My room was in the basement with a separate storage room off of mine. My first week down there, I woke up to very heavy banging on the other side of the storage room door. I was the only person down there at night, and after that night for the next couple of years, my TV and stereo would randomly turn on and off. My, and my dad on more than one occasion saw what he thought was me walk from the living room down the hallway towards the bathroom when I would be watching TV upstairs. But it wasn't me he saw and no one else was home but me and him and, and no one else was home but me went, and him when this all would happen. I live back in South Dakota now but I'll never forget that house and that was submitted by CJ. Oh, that's creepy. Um, so it's always good to hear firsthand accounts. Um, and then I had two, two other stories I wanted to tell. Um, this one is called, uh, Turned Tables. The halfway house stood for almost a hundred years at the intersection of Route 9 and 149, a point halfway between the city of Glens Falls and the village of Lake George, New York. Three retired buddies, Tom, Dick, and Harry, used to have coffee there each day. Tom, the spark plug in the group, often irked Dick and Harry with his boasting. If you ever caught a 10-inch trout, he'd tell of the time he'd caught a 12-incher. If you had won $5 on the Daily Double at Saratoga, he'd tell you he'd up you one and tell you of the time he had won 100. The two friends liked Tom, but needed some, but he needed some attitude adjustment. In, in January 1949, after Tom had verbally outscored his companions for the umpteenth time, Dick and Harry decided it was time to teach him a lesson. They usually didn't get coffee together until about 5 o'clock, but the winter darkness abetted their scheme. 
Back in October, Dick remembered a spirited discussion about the plot of Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman and had noted a glimmer of fear in Tom's eye. Now is the time to put that hunch to the test. It took a few days, but... Harry put together a pretty fearsome headless horseman costume, and at their Friday get-together, Harry excused himself from the table to go to his car while Dick engaged Tom in his favorite topic, himself. The plan called for Harry to dress in the costume and knock on the dining room's back door. (laughs) When the rap came, Dick was to sit still so that Tom, always the overachiever, would surely rise to help the waitress and answer it. Then Harry in costume would scare the daylights out of Tom. It sounded super, and they apparently carried it off without a hitch. Harry exited, and a few minutes later, there came a very loud banging on the rear door. Tom sprang to his feet, pushed the waitress aside, and said, I'll get it for you. Opening the door, he made an audible gasp and fainted. The the waitress and several others rushed to his side to revive him. Dick stood smiling. He recovered. He'd recover. Tom was as strong as a horse. Hadn't he always told them so? Soon Tom stirred as as he did so, however, Harry re-entered the front door rubbing his head. Dick greeted him warmly, congratulating his friend on a super performance. But Harry, grabbing Dick's sleeve to get his attention, whispered, There's something that you don't understand, Dick. When I got out front, I slipped on the ice and fell down. I was knocked out for a minute and my head still hurts. I can't go through with our gag. Perplexed, Dick stared at the revived Tom, who now babbled to the others about a gigantic black, a gigantic black fire, fire-breathing horse, ridden by a man in black with no head. It was the biggest event in his life, and he'd continue to tell it, to tell about it for the rest of his days. Harry and Dick often scratched their heads too, trying to guess who or what had been at the back door, and they'd never figure it out. That's that's actually fascinating. This one's pretty short. Kathy, who lived in South Glens Falls in the early 1980s, was invited to stay overnight with a friend from Glens Falls across the river. It was late, Kathy told me, as we walked down Route 9 and onto the bridge. Suddenly behind us, we heard heavy footsteps. Strange, we thought. We hadn't seen anyone else on the street as we traveled down the hill. We turned to look behind us. The eeriest sight we'd ever seen greeted us. A man in a dark blue or black overcoat with no legs following us in midair, Kathy said. (laughs) What? They raced to the Glens Falls side and up the steep hill, breathless when they neared the top. They glanced back and the figure was hovering at the foot of the hill. Why had he stopped? They never found out who he was, why he had appeared on the bridge just as they were crossing, and why only part of him was visible. Many times, ghost sightings appear only as a torso, lacking feet or legs, or sometimes legs or feet with no body. Perhaps it is most important to their unfinished work that others see the physical elements of their individuality as if to communicate some message, or perhaps to show themselves at a certain time in their lives involved in some mission. As the man had no crutches and both girls heard only his heavy footsteps, his lower extremities apparently were superfluous. But what mission was he on or what lifetime activity was he reenacting? What what message might might his countenance have communicated if they delayed to see him up close? They never found out. (laughs) And, um... That is also something I would never hope I'd never turn around and see a floating torso. <laughs> um, 
next I wanted to um, talk about, I've mentioned most all of these, but I'm going to read them just because um, this is the Glens Falls Queensberry episode and it would be nice to have them all at the at the same time so I think it's worth um, talking about them the first one is the Jane McRae house um, so the haunting at Jane McRae house the historic Jane McRae house is just outside of Glens Falls in, in um, Queensbury in Fort Edward and has been home to quite a few residents throughout the years and one in particular that seems in no hurry to leave. A renowned figure in the area's local history, Jane McRae was a 17-year-old New Jersey girl who arrived in town to live on a family's farm during the latter part of the 18th century. While here, she ended up getting engaged to a British officer. As the story goes, when hostilities were breaking out with the British Army, McRae took cover at a woman. McRae took cover at a woman named Sarah McNeil's house, which is now the Jane McRae house. In July of 1777, the two women tried to meet up with Jane's fiancé, but they encountered hostile Native Americans who captured and separated them. Sarah was ransomed to the British, but Jane was scalped and killed. Although the Jane McRae house has, was moved from its original location after her death, there have been reports of footsteps in the attic and lights that mysteriously go on and off. One must ask, is it Jane up there or maybe Sarah? And then also, just to note, this house is currently a private residence, and should be respected as such. <laughs> the next one, and I've spoken about it, is the Anvil Inn. The Anvil Inn has more than just delicious cranberry bread pudding behind their doors. The Fort Edward restaurant was originally a blacksmith shop in the 1840s and is situated on the outer walls of Old Fort Edward. Numerous eyewitness accounts have reported a female spirit hanging around, dropping bottles, turning lights on and off, and turning music on and off. <laughs> The next one is Skeen Manor, S-K-E-N-E. -E. Skeen Manor, initially known as Mountain Terrace, is believed to be haunted by the wife of Philip Skeen, the original owner. The magnificent Victorian Gothic-style mansion was built in the late 1800s and sits high on a mountain wall in Whitehall. The building features stone walls, chandeliers, and all the features of a haunted dwelling. The legend has it that when his wife Catherine died, Philip kept her body on the property to keep her close. Ownership changed hands several times between the late 1800s and early 1900s. In 1946, the manor was bought by a retired state trooper from Schenectady, Clayton Shear and his wife. They gave the building the name it has today, Skeen Manor, in honor of Philip Skeen. And um, it's like nestled literally among the trees on the side of like a hill slash mountain in Whitehall. So it, it's so um, it's so beautiful because it's like this castle poking out of the trees. The Shears modified the first floor into a bar and restaurant, and legend has it that Clayton discovered the coffin of Catherine Skeen behind the bar. Some claim the trooper made this story up to drum up interest in Skeen Manor and build business. Others say the coffin was initially in the basement, and he brought it upstairs, and some speculate that she was buried in a garden on the property. Regardless of where her Mrs. Skeen's final resting place was, some witnesses claim that they have seen the ghost of a woman in a Victoria, in Victorian period clothing gown near where the coffin is supposed to be by the bar. And the, ne the next one is the um, Fort Hudson Health System. 
Those staying and working at the Fort Hudson Health System in Fort Edward might be in for a chilling experience. Ghost sightings reported here include a man dressed in the dressed in black in the basement, a woman wearing a white nightgown, and a man walking around D, the D-Wing, making his way from room to room. The man in the basement is believed to be the ghost of a butler who worked at the mansion that once stood where the nursing home is. Um, I think those are like the most stereotypical ghost, but also frightening when when I think about it, a, a man dressed in all black and a woman wearing a white nightgown. No, thank you. <laughs> um, the next one is called Forged, which is uh, in Hudson Falls, but still close enough. It's a fine dining restaurant. The site of the former Washington County Courthouse, which is now Forged, the restaurant, has changed hands a number of times over the years. The building was originally built in 1873, as a courthouse, complete with jail cells. Reportedly, a ghost by the name of Walt still hangs out. He's rumored to be either a former criminal looking for mischief or a former former police officer hoping to protect, protect his town. We'd like to believe it's the latter. <laughs> In addition to the ghost himself, there have been footsteps and voices heard. Consider enjoying a meal here and see if you experience anything spooky for yourself. It looks like an absolutely beautiful building. Um, the next one is called The Legendary Creature of Whitehall, and I did not know anything about this, um, and that's not terribly far from here. Did you know that Whitehall is one of the top places in the country where you'll likely see or hear Bigfoot? I did not. Bigfoot, also known as Sas Sasquatch, oh, excuse me, or Yeti, has made its presence known in the small town since the late 1970s through sightings, footprints, and some have even claim to ha have heard his distinctive cry. I did not know that. Whitehall had been featured in document has been features and featured in documentaries about Bigfoot and has been motivated to declare the creature the town's official animal. No one is allowed to hurt Bigfoot within the borders of the town. In 2016, Whitehall started holding a Sasquatch Calling Festival, which includes a Sasquatch Calling Contest, <laughs> contest in the fall. There is also a new Bigfoot statue that keeps watch over Route 4. <laughs> Bigfoot is believed to be between 6 and 8 feet tall, with black to reddish-brown fur, wide shoulders, and little to no neck. He is known to have a high-pitched scream and aversion to light, and he has exhibited both a curiosity and a fear of humans. The most recent Bigfoot sighting in Whitehall was in August of 2018, when a man believes he saw the creature crossing Route 4. A Bigfoot investigator was brought in to take casts of the foot footprints left behind. Although some are skepti skeptical about the sighting happening just a few weeks before the annual calling Sasquatch Calling Festival, the fact is that Bigfoot sightings do tend to take place during the months of August, September, and October. I was uh, actually watching TV and my show had ended and before I changed the channel, a show about... Bigfoots um, actually came on, and all I kept thinking is, what if somebody's just wearing a costume this whole time? <laughs> um, but that is fascinating. I had no idea that was such a big thing uh, locally around here. And the next one is the DeLong House. 
The DeLong House, home to the Chapman Museum, is rumored to be haunted by Anna, a former housekeeper to the DeLongs who is seen by former museum director Kathy Allen wearing a pink dress. Another sighting was reported by a Chapman trustee who saw, when he knew the house to be empty and locked up, a figure pull back a curtain and look out the window. Ugh. And, um, and lastly, I just wanted to tell you guys about, like, two just tips and tidbits about local spooky fun things to do. So if you don't already know, um, the Glens Falls Cemetery offers official cemetery tours, a guided walking tour. Um, it's only $15 a per person, eight bucks if you're a student. Um, and you do have to pay for a reservation in advance. Um, actually, they're recommended since tours do sell out. Um, but you can check them on the Haunted History Trail of New York State.com or just Google the um, cemetery tour at Glens Falls Cemetery. Um, it sounds, sounds interesting. It's a guided walking tour of a cemetery where past residents come to life. Meet a few of those people and listen to their life stories and maybe even meet a ghost from the past. In the tour, a collaboration of Glens Falls Community Theater and Chapman Historical Museum will be... Uh, are returning to the original theater presentation. As you visit various sites, members of them will perform and each person will bring their story to life. As you return to the past, you will learn of their contributions and impact on the local area. That's, fa that's fascinating. Guided walking tours begin every half hour. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. I did not know about that. I'll be doing that this coming season if, um, if it's open in 2021. I'm going to add that to my list. And then lastly, I just wanted to, um, they canceled it this year, but if you don't already know about it, um, Glens Falls does a Halloween house contest and a ghost hunt. Um, the Halloween house contest, basically the city of Glens Falls has, asks residents and uh, business owners to decorate their homes and storefronts for the Halloween season. And then friends and neighbors vote on their favorite display at the Glens Falls collaborative website. And um, you you can basically enter no matter where you live. There's different there's three different categories, which is houses, apartment windows and porches and business storefronts. Um, so really, no matter where you live, you can be in the competition and you have to be, it has to be, the. it's limited to properties in Glens Falls only. Um, they do ask that the displays are PG-13 <laughs> and suitable for most audiences. Um, so it it's definitely, I hope that's something that they do again this year because I, I would love to like walk around, get grab a drink and like walk around and see all the decorations. So I'm going to add that to my list also. That sounds awesome. Um, and then the ghost hunt they did where you can find cutout ghosts around the city of Glens Falls. Um, they did it between October 10th and 30th. And then if you find a ghost, you take a picture. And after you found all 10, you email your photos to rglensfalls at gmail.com, like O-U-R, glensfalls at gmail.com. And, and then entrants who find all 10 ghosts are entered to win a, are entered into a raffle and then three winners that will be chosen at random to receive a gift certificate to the for a for $25 to the to a Glens Falls business of their choice um, and their winners are announced on Halloween day usually and um, and on their Facebook page the downtown Glens Falls um, so that is so great that they do that I'm going to put both of those things on my to-do list for this upcoming um, Halloween season and 
that was all I had today. So I hope you enjoyed learning a little more about um, the big, big legends, excuse me, the big, big legend of Abigail West and getting more into the Queensbury and Glens Falls area. I've actually been wanting to um, talk about that area for a little while. So that was fun. And as always, cheers. <laughs> and happy haunting.